What a dookie pookie, and good morning. Is it morning? It is 11. Yeah, it's good morning. I'm Jarrett Gallardo, uh, the Mexican-Hawaiian from Alaska. Uh, yes. Anybody from Alaska? Nobody's from Alaska? Man, come on. Everybody's from Alaska. This is it's a great place. Okay. Uh, so Alyssa said it. Uh, Liz and I, my beautiful Chuki's wife. Anybody from the country of Chuk? Yeah, nobody's from Alaska or Chuk. Okay, so um, Liz and I, we met in Guam, courtesy of the U.S. military, so continue to pay your taxes if you haven't filed yet, April 15th, but pay your taxes because you fund uh, my uh, uh, job in the Air Force. I'm an Air Force nurse, I've almost been in for 16 years, and in 2014 to 2018, like was said, that's when God called Liz and I here to San Antonio. We were here uh, during that time when we first came, no kiddos, when we left, two, and then we got one more on the way, uh, Kavika, uh, Kahea, and Kayla. So we've got three kiddos, eight, six, and two, and so we just love our kiddos. And I want to give you a journey of how you guys uh, in 2018 just launched Liz and I into ministry here. And so you prayed over us, you launched us into ministry and from here, we went back to Guam and plugged in with our Every Nation Church in Guam. And then we left Guam and we plugged in to Arizona. And we got connected with the Every Nation Church that is there in Arizona. There's two. So I bring greetings from Valley Gate Church in Tempe, Arizona. So if you're ever in Arizona, come check us out in Tempe. But I just wanted to share that, that you guys here at Luminous Church are a part of a global family of churches called Every Nation Ministries. And all over the world, no matter where you go, there may be brothers and sisters in this same ministry, a context that are from every nation. And so we've just had opportunities to serve in different areas. And so it's so good. I'm here for training for just three days, but uh, hit up Ben and Austin and a few of you guys and just let you guys know that I was going to be in town. So I have a word for you guys in Acts chapter 2. But before we get there, I just wanted to remind us that everybody go like this. Point at yourself. Yes, yes. The church is not this building, but it's, it's us. Amen? This church is us. So we were created to be in fellowship. And I just want this take-home message to be fellowship and koinonia, that we were created for fellowship. Fellowship with God and fellowship with each other. And we're going to look at what that looks like in the context of church and how the first church did it. But before I continue to talk anymore, would you join me in a word of prayer? God, I thank you this morning that whatever brought us here this morning, God, your providence, here we are. And so we're coming at the point of the church service, God, where we're getting into the word of the Lord. And Father, I just pray that you would ready all of the hearts who are going to hear this message, God. Would I decrease, and would you and your word increase, and would it land on good ground? And Father, as we look at Acts chapter 2, I just pray that you would begin to challenge us and stretch us and pull us just a little bit more this morning, Jesus. We love you, and we ask these things in Jesus' name. All God's people said, amen. All right, fam. Before we get into the book of Acts, I just wanted to give you some background on it. Uh, Acts is also known as Acts of the Apostles. And it was written by Luke, the traveling companion of Paul, Dr. Luke, or the physician, as, as he's known. 
he wrote the book of Acts. And he wrote the book of Acts likely around 60 to 90 A.D. And as he's writing it, he is penning all of these things. And just before Jesus is like beamed up into heaven, the ascension of Christ, I think that happens in Acts 1-9. In Acts 1-8, he says, I want you guys to be filled with the Spirit and to be my witnesses in Jerusalem, Judea, and to the ends of the earth. And then Jesus gets beamed up and he has ascended into heaven. But then, as he is beamed up, right, the Holy Spirit, boom, comes down. And so all of the book of Acts records just these amazing things that the Holy Spirit, that when people are filled with the Holy Spirit and led by the Spirit, what God does in and through their lives. And so we see that here in Acts. Specifically in Acts chapter 2, that's where we're going to be in. These record the events of Pentecost and the official beginning. Everybody say beginning. The beginning of the church. It started right here with Pentecost in Acts chapter 2. Do you guys recall what happened? There was like a violent wind, rushing wind, and then tongues like flames of fire. I don't know what that looked like, but that's how the Bible describes it. Tongues with flames of fire. And then it says that as they were infilled with the Holy Spirit, that they, and then they began speaking in different languages, and people in the audience heard their, their spoken and known language. And then we see Peter give a message, and 3,000 people responded to the call of salvation. So 3,000 people were saved from Peter's message. And then immediately after that, they were like, what's going to stop us from getting baptized? And so then they were all baptized in the horse trough, boom, boom, 3,000 people. That water must have been cleaned by the 2,999th person. But could you just imagine 3,000 people getting, sa getting saved, getting baptized, and that's where we find ourselves here in Acts chapter 2. Are y'all ready? Word, okay. Uh, would you stand as we read Acts chapter 2, 42 to 47? This is really a blueprint of what church community looks like, of what church relationship looks like, like why you guys are being drawn and called into this space is because right here, are we emulating these things? And so I'm going to be reading Acts chapter 2, 42 to 47. This will be from the Christian Standard Bible, but if you got your Bible, I see some heavy, let me get out of the lights real fast. I see some heavy, like, paper Bibles uh, at Valley Gate. Pastor Demo, he'd be challenging us because we're in Genesis right now. And he's like, bring your Bibles, millennials. There's a thing called a Bible with actual pages, and it's like a book, and it's not your phone. But sometimes I just hold up my phone. I was like, does this count? That doesn't count. It counts. It counts if you got the Bible app on there. Okay, Acts 2. But if you got your paper Bibles, you lift and wait this morning. Okay, Acts 2, 42 to 47, and this is what it says. Let's get it. They devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching, to fellowship, to breaking bread, and to prayer. Everyone was filled with awe, and many wonders and signs were being performed through the apostles. 44. Now all the believers were together, and they held all things in common. They sold their possessions and property and distributed the proceeds to all as any had need. Then 46 says, every day they devoted themselves to meeting together in the temple, and they broke bread from house to house. They ate food with joyful and sincere hearts, praising God and enjoying the favor of all the people. Every day the Lord added to their number, the Lord added to their number, those who were being saved. Church, you may be seated. So in looking at this passage of scripture, 
I just really wanted to remind us how this looks at Christian community. And it looks at what this early church, this very, the beginning of the church, what they were devoted to. And so, seemingly, I titled this message, if you're taking notes, Devotion to. Devotion to. And that leads me to point number one, devotion to spiritual growth and community. Spiritual growth and community. Let's look at Acts 2.42 again. It says, they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching, to fellowship, to breaking bread and prayer. And so let's take a look at what each one of those things means. The apostles' teaching, it means that they were devoted to scripture and doctrine. And so they took it seriously, studying the Bible. How many of you know, if we're not firmly rooted in orthodox Christian teaching of God's word, then when somebody says something wild, you're like, oh, man, that sounds good. Like, oh, yeah, did you know Jesus is Lucifer's brother? And then we get confused. We're like, oh, that sounds good. Okay, yeah, is that what happened? Um, then we just get confused if we're not anchored in the orthodox Christian word of God and studying his scriptures. Amen? Secondly, we see that they were committed to fellowship. I'm going to teach you a cool little New Testament Greek word. Can you say koinonia? Koinonia, yeah. What that means is fellowship or participation or a communion with. So they were participating with each other. They had fellowship. They had communion with each other. They didn't just leave. As soon as church was dismissed, they just dipped. But I'm going to talk about that a little bit later. But they instead, they lingered. They participated. They gathered. And they fellowshiped with one another. Thirdly, it says that they broke bread with each other. So this means that they ate a sweet, sweet meal around a dinner table, and then they also took time to break bread in the form of communion. So they did those two things together. And when I was thinking about breaking bread, last night uh, we were, I spent the night at the Ferrer's house, and they had some crab broil and some like pork that was marinated in this Filipino sauce that was heavenly. But then in Filipinos also, they have like balut. You know, that's the egg embryo. So can you imagine, like, breaking bread? We didn't eat that last night, by the way. But um, one time I went out of Every Nation Conference into the Philippines, and you know what they passed around? We broke bread, but we didn't broke bread. We broke a chicken beak with a, in an embryo. It was wild, y'all. But with gladness and sincere hearts, we all ate the chicken embryo. So that's what they did here in Acts 2.42. They, uh, apostles teaching fellowship and breaking of the bread. So they also... They ate a sweet meal, and they took time to have communion with each other. Lastly, it says that they were devoted to prayer. And so prayer isn't something complicated. I know sometimes we do, and in corporate settings we may say, like, I don't pray as eloquent as that person, or, or I, don't, I, I, I don't know how to pray. If we've got a mouth, a brain, and a pulse, we know how to pray. Prayer, y'all, it's just communication with God. That's it. Communication with God. And so when we're praying, as this early church was devoted to, they were just communicating with God. So don't overcomplicate prayer. Don't compare yourself to somebody's like, oh, la, 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 la. like just talking, you and God, right here, right? Okay. Uh, so those are the four things that they were devoted themselves to. And I want to give you an illustration of the vehicle or the tool that encapsulates all of this. It is the vehicle or the ministry of small groups. Here at Luminous, you guys call it 
What do you guys call it? Life groups. Yeah, hey. So whatever you call it, life groups, cell groups, community groups, growth groups, they're all the same thing. And they serve those two purposes as point number one, spiritual growth and community. Because if you just have spiritual growth and it's just a Bible study with no community, it's very cold, it's unrelational, and if it's just spiritual growth, it's, it's very cold, it's dull. So you need both. But if you just have the community aspect without the spiritual growth aspect, then what you have is you just got a, a bunch of homies together watching the UFC fight, and you have no spiritual growth. You need both the community and the spiritual growth. Amen? Amen. But small group or life groups is the, is the ministry and the tool that kind of encapsulates everything that's spoken here in Acts 2, 42. You may be thinking, yo, Jared, this is 2,000 years ago. That was for the beginning church, and it doesn't really apply to us. But I would challenge us that it absolutely applies to us. Because like I said, Christ wants us in community with him and with others. The folks on your left and right that you may not know, God wants you in community with these people, with the folks on your left and your right. But let's look about typically what happens. I kind of said it earlier, right? As soon as we dismiss, we make a mad dash maybe to the children's ministry, pick up the kids, and then we just we, we leave. Or maybe during the end uh, of the sermon, we're kind of like, places to eat around me. And we're thinking about, where am I going to get lunch as soon as this guy dismisses us, right? But I would challenge you to do these things. Like, before you just make a mad dash to the exit, look at somebody who you don't know. But like, bro, sis, you want to go get lunch? Or let me come over to your house. Let's go break bread at your house. And so try not to be consumed in this, like, this individualistic, like, I just got to leave. I'm just going to go eat lunch by myself. Um, get involved in the lives of your brothers and sisters here in this sanctuary. Amen? Word. So are we devoted to that, like getting involved, devoted to fellowship, koinonia, breaking bread and prayer? Or are we devoted to just this kind of just transactional relationship with the church, uh, just like, uh, I wasn't really feeling the word that morning, or uh, the, the worship kind of went too long, or what does the worship offer me, or what is this ministry that they have? They don't really have a, a, a vibrant coffee ministry. I want a coffee ministry or a kid's ministry. It's kind of like shopping for a gym membership, this transactional relationship, like, oh, this gym has open swim, or this gym has hot tubs and saunas, or this gym has all the free weights. Obviously, I, I don't go to the gym, but but that's kind of how we think about church is this transactional, what, what is it going to do for me, and what, what can it fill for, for me, and what can I get out of this? But I would challenge us to change our concept of what church is and to be in fellowship, to be praying for one another, to break bread with each other, and then to stay to sound doctrine. That's what I would challenge us to be like. When we think about the church, remember I had us point at each other like this? Here's another fancy Greek word. It's called ekklesia. Ecclesia. And what that means is the gathered or the called out ones. The gathered or the called out ones. And that's what the church is. We've been called out from a life of sin, and we've been put here, and we've been gathered together to live life and to live in community with each other. Make sense? Gathered or called out. And in first service, I said it's almost like how you gather your laundry, right? You don't want any of it to go missing. You 
you want to get the sock and the unmatching sock and the underwear and the shirt, and you want to get it all to where you're going to fold your laundry, but you want to gather it together. Ecclesia means called or gathered together, the called out ones. And here's what I'm imagining this ministry of small group looks like. Maybe it looks like a group of, of 10 of us meeting in an apartment somewhere near UTSA. We're eating that Texas brisket with some uh, scripture. Maybe we're talking about the sermon, and then we're laughing, and we're praying at the end, and we do it again next week, and we do it again next week, and we're living life with each other again next week, and it just happens. And soon, the people on our left and on our right just aren't as strangers. Oh, I'm sorry. I don't remember your name. Like, no, like, I know you because you pooped in my toilet, right? Like, you were in my house. Like, I know you. But instead, we're just like, I, I don't really, I, I, I can't remember your name. Like, no. Get to know the person on your left and on your right. Amen, church? Amen. All right. Point number one was devotion to spiritual growth in community. Point number two, devotion to generosity. Devotion to generosity. Let's look at Acts 2, 43 to 45. It says, everyone was filled with awe, and many wonders and signs were being performed through the apostles. Now all the believers were together, and they held all things in common. They sold their possessions and property, like what? And they distributed the proceeds to all as any had need. All right, so what's going on? Firstly, we see that because they were filled with the Spirit, that miracles, signs, and wonders were happening because they were Spirit-led, and then we see that they shared their goods, and then communism was born. I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. No, but look, this isn't a recipe or scriptural support for socialism or communism, but instead, this is scriptural support for us to be radically generous with what God has entrusted us with. Amen? Radically generous. It says that they sold their possessions and their property and then they distributed the proceeds to anybody who had need. Again, not a recipe for socialism or communism, but a recipe for us to be challenged to be radically generous with what God has entrusted us with. And it's important to note that in Jerusalem, this radical sharing that they were doing, do you think it was mandated by the government? Go like this. No, it wasn't mandated by the government. They did this out of their own volition. It was voluntary that they were selling their possessions, that they were selling their house. They did it of their own free will because they saw that their brothers and sisters, these 3,000 beginning church believers, that they had a need. And so they were like, bro, how can I meet that need? And so what they did was they sold their possessions and they helped meet needs. Radical generosity, amen? All right. How many of you know that when we are born again and born as naming Jesus as our Lord, that we, be, we begin to be adopted into this family of God. Raise your hand if you knew that. That when we're born, okay, about half of you. Okay, well, the other half, this is new news. So, like, when we commit our lives to Jesus, then we are in this family of God. God becomes our, our, our father, and then Scripture says that we are adopted into this family. So we've got this great, giant, spiritual network of brothers and sisters. Look it up in John 1.12. It says that we are God's children. And what this means when we are brothers and sisters is we begin to look at church differently than, all right, let me dip, let me go get my kids, and let me go find out where I was going to eat lunch. But instead, we begin to look at church like our brothers and sisters, right? 
we're close. We may not always get along at every time, but at the end of the day, we're family. Does that make sense? Yeah? Word. Okay. So we're family. And I want to challenge kind of this, the typical American dream, right? The American dream or the typical thing that we're all kind of chasing. We want to go to school. We want to get a job. We want to get a spouse and then buy the house and then get the car and then save 15% and invest that. But, like, I want to be so just to take care of me so that I will take care of me. I will get the house and live in a suburb somewhere in Halotus or Cibolo. Like, no, fam, like God is challenging us to think a little bit differently. Instead of an individualistic lifestyle, God is also wanting us to consider the well-being of others, poor, needy, but also those in our church. And I'm not saying, don't, don't walk away from here saying, like, he just said I can't invest or can't buy a house or can't get a car or go to school. That's not what I'm saying. What I'm saying is that if we're just being so focused on chasing our dream so that we can just feel, feel so secure so that when we, when we open our bank account, we can be like, yes, I am secured. Is it the bank account that makes us feel secure or is it Jesus that makes us feel secure, right? So I'm not saying that we can't have these goals because the Bible does want us to plan, but I am saying, are we being radically generous with what God has entrusted us with? Make sense? Okay. So I would argue that, man, living in this radically generous lifestyle, it's not easy. It's not easy, and we have to make kind of this honest decision before God. God, uh, I have these goals and these desires, but Jesus, I just, I just surrender my life to you. And whatever you're going to do with my life, that's what I'm going to pursue. But instead, we always say, like, God, this is where I want to work. This is who I'm going to marry. This is where I want to live. This is where I want to. And instead, the opposite being led by the Spirit, as these folks in Acts chapter 2 were and saying, God, you own my entire life. Use with it as you will. In your name I pray. Like, that's different than saying, God, I want to do this. I would like to do this. God bless. I want the perfect man, and he has to look like this. and do the, Like, Jesus, do with my life what you will. Make sense? Word. And so when I look at this church in Acts chapter 2, for Liz, my wife and I, what that looks for us and our three kiddos is it looks something like this. Allowing someone to live rent-free in our house while they're getting their life together and trying to figuring out what their next steps are, kind of seeing how Liz and I live our lives, and they live rent-free while we are walking with them for that next step and that next step. Or it looks like adding someone to our T-Mobile uh, cell phone bill because theirs is close to $200 a month and they're this high in debt. And we could be like, yo, why don't we just add you to our T-Mobile bill for like a $10 family? And then you cut that bill and we walk with you in financial freedom and we walk with you on next steps on how to steward with what God has given you well instead of being in debt. Or it looks like somebody who is not even our blood relative, being the next of kin to our children should something happen to Liz or I. It's like this person and, th and this family, they're not even blood to us. But because we see their relationship with Jesus is so radical 
And because we see how they treat each other as husband and wives, we're like, man, if we ever die, we want you to raise our children. That's what this community looks like. And that's how it looks like in the lives of the Gallardos when we're trying to live this out in Acts chapter 2. And it make you, may make you feel a little bit uncomfortable, but God is calling us to this, this radical generosity, this radical fellowship with one another. Make sense, fam? Word. Moving on to point number three. Point one was devotion to spiritual growth and community. Point two, devotion to generosity. So point three is a devotion to meeting together. Let's look at Acts 46 and 47. It says, every day they devoted themselves to meeting together in the temple, and they broke bread from house to house. They ate their food with joyful and sincere hearts, praising God and enjoying the favor of all people. Every day the Lord added to their number those who were being saved. Look at verse 46. Where were the two places that they met? They met in the temple, and then they met house to house, right? House to house. So if you want to know what that looks like, that means they met corporately in the Palladium movie theater on Sunday, and then throughout the week they met house to house. Look, they met house to house. And so if, if that is revolutionary to you, like you heard it this morning, they met corporately in here in the temple, and then throughout the week they met house to house. And when we open our house up, man, there's such, it's like so funny. Like, we don't wear shoes in our house. I, some people, when they walk into our house and they don't have socks on, they're like, you're going to see my feet. And we're like, like, do I really got to take off my shoes? Like, if you don't want to, you don't have to. But it is so funny. Like, people are like, man, I can't believe you're going to see my toes. Like, it is the wildest thing in my mind. Like, I guess, I guess that's very vulnerable for some people. If you, if you see my, my non-pedicured toes that, that, um, that we have bonded. Like, if you've ate at our house and you've used my restroom and I, I saw your crusty toes and you saw my crusty toes, then we've bonded and we're family. And we are brothers and sisters communing and growing spiritually in the Lord. But they had a devotion to meet together. And when we see... In Acts uh, there, 2.46, they met in the temple and then house to house. But it's kind of funny. Do you guys recall in Acts 2.45, what did they sell? They sold their possessions and their property. But here we still see that some still had houses. So they didn't get rid of all of their houses, right? They had the wherewithal to understand that we still needed a place to meet for life groups. And so they didn't sell all of them. And I thought that that was cool that they still met house to house. And then... Look later there that we see that they were really devoted to that, to that meeting. And I get it because sometimes in the busyness of life, we're like, yo, my kids, they got basketball practice. They're, they're in the third grade, and they got games on Thursdays and games on Tuesdays. We're acting like they're in college about to get drafted into the NBA, like keeping them so busy, like, Little Johnny is, is not about to go in the NBA. Like, it's okay if you shuffle your schedule around a little bit for some life group. Or, like, we got our massage envy uh, on Thursdays. That's in my, my weekly massage. Or, you know, we've, maybe people want to stay home because I'm an introvert, and, and you don't want to show, like, your toes with somebody else. And I'm just introverted. I'm just going to watch church online and just 
just come on Sunday and then hear the good message and then leave. But Acts chapter 2 is really challenging us to get beyond that if we're introverted or if little Johnny, you think he's going to the NBA or if you got your weekly massage that you got to get to. Like how can we shuffle our schedule around just a little bit to get involved into the lives of the people on our left and to our right? Make sense? All right. If, if busyness is a, a common theme that we bring up, like I'm just so busy throughout my week. I'm just so busy. I just want us to turn to Hebrews 10, 24 and 25. Remind us of this scripture. It says, let us consider one another in order to provoke to love and good works, not neglecting gathering together, not neglecting gathering together, not neglecting gathering together as some are in the habit of doing, but encouraging each other all the more as you see the day approaching. And I just really wanted to, to home on that. Like, the writer of Hebrews is saying, like, some of y'all are, are, are making excuses. And you're habitually making excuses, saying, I'm just so busy. But the author here is saying, not neglecting us gathering together. For what? In order to provoke each other, stir each other up to love and to good works. And how was your work week? Oh, it was horrible? Why was it horrible? How can I help you? Uh, how is your family doing? They're doing amazing? Great. High five. The Bible says that we weep with those who weep and we rejoice with those who rejoice. That means like we are sharing in emotion and, and communication and communion and fellowship with one another. We're not just here on Sunday checking out places to eat around me and then dipping out. But throughout the week, we are meeting house to house, living life in life groups with the people to our left and to our right. Does that make sense, fam? Word. Okay. Man, th this should really cause us to yearn for fellowship. To yearn for fellowship. Like, like do we just, are we, are we comfortable with the status quo of coming? I just found out on first service that these seats actually recline. Are we comfortable with just coming in here Sunday, sitting in a nice, fluffy seat at the Palladium? and just reclining and then leaving? Or are we being challenged by Scripture to meet house to house, to break bread, to eat that Texas, Texas, what, Texas brisket? <laughs> I'm a Texas, I can't even speak. Texas brisket with a loaf of bread from Rudy's. I, I was confused the first time they gave me a loaf of bread. Liz had me go back and ask for white rice and they didn't have it, but but are we, are we challenged with just getting comfortable in these fluffy seats? Or are we living life with one another and meeting house to house, eating that Texas brisket, right? I want us to also look at verse 47. Who added to the growth of that church? It was the Lord. So it wasn't what we did. Like, we can take the onus and the responsibility off of us. Whew. It's not how well our campus ministry is. It's not how well we can usher people into their seats. It's not how well children's ministry is. It's not how well the worship team sings a song. Like we can take the responsibility off of us because church growth happens through the Lord. When the church did these things, when they fellowshiped, when they broke bread, when they had communion and fellowship with one another, and when they prayed with each other, that's when the Lord began to add to the church. 
So I would challenge us, like, don't get caught up on the numbers. Don't get caught up of church performance. But just do these things. Be an active participant in church community and watch the Lord do the rest. Amen? What this looks like with Liz and I and, and our three kiddos is that every Friday we open up our home. Some people may leave at 9 o'clock. Some may leave at midnight. Some may even spend the night. Some nights we laugh. Some nights we cry. Some nights we have a good meal to share. And some nights we just share $9.99 Costco pizza. You know what I'm saying? Look, Costco pizza, come on. But that's what we do every Friday. You can poop in my toilet, and it's okay. I can see your crusty feet, and you can see mine, and that's okay. And what we're doing is some of, of those in our life group, they struggle with alcohol. And so we're living life with each other. Some are struggling with they may want to harm themselves. In the middle of the night, we get a call. And so we're going over to do, to do ministry and be like, bro, like put that down. L let's, let's talk about this, right? And so when we are beginning to be the hands and feet of Jesus, the best vehicle to do that is this vehicle of, of small groups or life groups. When we were here in San Antonio, we drove all the way from Universal City to do this every Friday in Holotus with the Ferrers. That's a long drive around the 1604, and God forbid there's an accident or construction on the 1604, but look, we did this here because we wanted to be intentional and live life with the people to our left and to our right. We did it in Guam, and thank God that we are continuing to do it here or there in Arizona. We're going to wrap this up, but the three points that we had was, man, number one, they were devoted to spiritual growth and community. Number two, they were devoted to that radical generosity. And then number three, that they were devoted to meeting together here in the temple, but then house to house. And they did that day in and day out. And then that's how God grew the church. Amen? So I want to ask you, who or what are you devoted to? Are you devoted to just what you can transactionally get out of church? Or are you devoted to the people to your left and to your right and devoted to Jesus? And so I love how Tori exhorted us in, in worship this morning about painting a picture of who Jesus is. You may came here this morning and you're like, Y'all, I don't even know who God is. I'm glad you asked. God is creator of all things. And look, humanity jacked it up, and then sin entered the world. You and I are sinners, and sin separates us from God. But God didn't keep us separated because he gave his son to be a sacrifice for us. It says that the scripture says that he became sin who knew no sin so that we would become the righteousness of God. And it's because this free gift of salvation that Jesus gives to us that we begin to have a change in heart and a change in mind. And we're no longer living for ourselves because God is our Savior and our Lord. He's our master. And if God is our master, then he begins to change the way we think about um, the busyness of life. He begins to change the way we think about our finances, the way we think about how we're going to open our home. And he challenges us then to live in community with one another. It is, it is like once we're saved and once we name Jesus as the Lord or the master of our life, he begins to structure us differently. It says that we then became a new creation, the Bible says. And as new creations, 
we live life differently. We're no longer how we used to live. And so I would just challenge us that as we are in relationship with Jesus, that we are also in fellowship, in communion with each other, with people to your left and to your right. Can you guys just take a moment and look at the person on your left and to your right? This is who we're living life with, right? And so when the 70 seconds or 60 seconds that y'all had to, okay, why don't you stand up and greet somebody you, you didn't come here with? That's not enough time, fam. That is not enough time to form a relationship. That's enough time to maybe like, don't move. I don't know your name and I don't have your number. Let me go grab my phone and let's get lunch together after church. That's just enough time to do that. But that's about it. Then the rest of the week, you came here on Sunday, and then we're going to meet house to house throughout the rest of the week in life group. And it looks like living it out with the people to your left and to your right. So I would challenge you to do two things. First, if Jesus is not your Lord, make him Savior of, of your life. Secondly, if you're not in community, bro, sis, why not? Is it the busyness of life? Is it because you, you've got to work a, a couple of jobs to try to just pay bills? Like, ask God how he can restructure your needs so that you can be in community. I want to leave you with this last verse. It's from Matthew 12, 46 to 50. It says, and this is while he was speaking, it, it says while Jesus was speaking. While Jesus was speaking with some of the crowd, his mother and his brothers, they were standing outside wanting to speak to him Someone said to Jesus, look, your mother and your brother, they're standing outside and they want to speak to you. Look at how Jesus replied. He said the, to the one who was speaking with him, he said, who is my mother and my brother? Stretching out his hands towards his disciples, he said, here, my mother and my brothers. Whoever does the will of my father in heaven is my brother and sisters. Just a moment ago, I asked you to look to your left and to your right. And earlier, I was saying that when we give our lives to Jesus, then we're adopted into this family of God. So look to your left and to your right, fam. Like, your brothers and your sisters are those who are believers in the Lord. We've been adopted into this family of God. And we're like linking arms with each other in this movie theater. But we're not just dipping after we're, all right, let me go get my kids and let me go eat Rudy's, but we're, we are living life with each other. Jesus said, hold up, homie. Who is my brother and my sister? And then he took his other hand, and it wasn't like James and his mom, but he pointed to, to them and said, those guys right there, the ones that is doing the will of my father, that's my family. And so I'm just challenging y'all, like the people over here on your left and to your right, that's your family. These are your families. So if you're not living life and you're just living life in isolation, I'm just coming to church, consumeristic, right? Chuk, chuk, check a box and then leave. Chuk, chuk, check a box. I will challenge you to get out of the fluffy seats that recline here and meet house to house throughout the week and live life with your brothers and sisters in the Lord. Make sense? All right, I'm going to pray that over us. I'm going to end this message, and then we'll go into communion. Mighty God, we thank you, Lord. We thank you that in Acts chapter 2, God, you are challenging us to live in koinonia, to live in fellowship with each other. 
Jesus, that you are challenging us to be radically generous with our house, radically generous with our time, our talent, and our treasures. And God, you are challenging us to meet together, not just here in the temple on Sunday, but throughout the week in house to house. God, if that's not, not, if that's not us, <laughs> would you stretch us? Would you challenge us this morning to restructure our schedule? God, help us open our Apple schedule and our Google schedules and figure out, okay, God, there's life group happening throughout the week. How can I fit it in? I know my little boy, I want him to go to the NBA. And he's got these basketball meets, but how can I fit it in with life group? God, would you challenge us this morning to live life in community for spiritual growth and community with one another? Jesus, we love you, and we ask these things in your precious and holy name. And all God's people said, amen. Love y'all. Thank you.